Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we have Mark Mathot joining us for the 15th time. So to celebrate, he's here for the entire show. And we have a special Halloween reveal for you. And we wrap up the show with an important topic, ranking our favorite Halloween treats. Plus all sorts of sense topics, that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 906 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountain, you can follow Locked On Senators on social media. We are at Send Central on Twitter, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. The show is free and available on all podcast platforms, including on YouTube, where a like, a subscription, and a comment go a long way. Today's comment, we want to know how you're spending the five days off between Senators games. The next one coming up on Thursday against LA. Today's episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers in the U.S. get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. Today is Tuesday, October 31st, and Pilsy, we've got a very special guest for the entirety of today's show. Yeah, I mean, it's Halloween, so we didn't want to just do the same old, same old. We thought we'd bring in someone uh, someone special for today's well, I, episode. I really like your costume, Pilsy. What are you, a farmer today? Yeah, I'm dressed up as a Sens fan slash farmer, so we'll see how that goes for me. Well, we have a Sens fan slash farmer, and we have the Predator with us as well, as the man, myth, legend, Mark Mathot joins us. <laughs> I can't even let's, take it seriously with that. Let's thing. see you move those pincers. I like the, the pincers being moved. Oh, yeah. How much? How, yeah, you're proving how much time you spent with Sparta Cat right here with, with the moves. I need I need you dancing, shaking around. Are, are you going to be going up <laughs> houses like that? Because I feel like... If a six foot three, two hundred and twenty pound man, I don't care if he's got kids with him. If he's wearing that mask, we might be in trouble. The reveal, the Scooby Doo reveal. I gotta take this off. <laughs> you look like you just want a thirty minute Peloton. All right, there we go. Look at my, like I'm red in the face now. <laughs> yeah. So hey, there's no, I, there's no breathing. Like there's no, there's no slit. That's why for those watching. Um, I couldn't use uh, the prop during the entire episode because I'm literally suffocating wearing this thing. <laughs> so. Well, predators, they don't need oxygen, right? They're from another planet, so oxygen is not really uh, important wow. for them. Well, no, no, they do need oxygen because if you've seen oh, the Predator movies, they integrate just fine in our on our planet. So, um, you know, they don't, they don't need a breathing device or anything like that. So anyway, all well, good. Man, but I'm a huge, you're... I'm a diehard Predator fan. You're integrating just fine on the Locked On Senators podcast. So I'm stoked that you're back for another episode with us. And hey, I spent an afternoon as Belly, the mascot for the Belleville Senators. And 
that changed my entire view on mascotting. Like they had me like skating around the ice, like doing like fake crowd pump ups and stuff like that. And I was an absolute mess after that. So for those uh, men and women that spend uh, an entire like five hours shaking kids' hands and doing crazy stuff in those outfits, kudos to them because it is not an easy job. We had uh, we had Sparty um, doing the hometown tours with us when I played with the Sens. And so they we yeah. kind of roll around in a camper trailer, like an RV, to go to like Hawkesbury or any town outside of Ottawa. And, um, you know, it was it, like, we're talking in the summer here, you know, it's June, July and the weather it's warm. Um, and he'd come back in and you could just like, just completely leaking. Like, yeah, I could not imagine. And he's not going out and wearing it for, you know, 10 minutes. He's had it on interacting with kids playing like street hockey and being goofy for three hours and then coming back in. So I have nothing but respect for those guys and what they do. And they never break character. They never speak. It's very impressive. <laughs> Unless, oh my God. unless you're <laughs> <color> over here. <laughs> oh, more. that's great. One more for the road. <laughs> Talking about scaring the kids. Jesus. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh so what's new, man? Are you always been a Halloween guy? Yeah. Well, I, mean, most, I mean, most of us are, I think, right? Especially when you're very young. Um, the idea that you can dress up as pretty well or pretty much whoever or whatever you want. And then go door to door and ask for free candy. I mean, it's, I mean, it rivals, I want to say it rivals Christmas. Christmas is great in the moment. You get that instant dopamine hit when you see all the gifts and you're unwrapping them. But um, there's something about Halloween, though, roaming the streets at night. It's dark out and everyone's kind of, you know, wearing some kind of costume. It's, it's, it's special. My kids are so pumped. They've been, we've been doing a countdown, like my son for the last two weeks. How many days, dad? How many days? And like, I'd have to show them like how many fingers and stuff. It's, um, the, it's, it's an exciting time for young kids. Was it a problem on day 10 when you had to tell them you only have nine? <laughs> I set you guys, I set you up for that one. Yeah, no, I know. Nine and a half days, that. Yeah. yeah. So you got like the, uh, the Halloween advent calendar basically going on. <laughs> Pretty much. And, but it's, it's, it's cool now. Cause my youngest, my daughter, she's four now. So, I feel like they're just going to be ripping from home to home. We're not going to have to hold her hand and take her to the door. I'm very excited to see how they handle it tonight now that they're a year older. I love it. I love it. Have you picked which neighborhood you guys are going to terrorize? We can't can't do it here because it's a little more sprawled out where I live and there's no street lights. So, and you have to walk like a kilometer (laughs) to get from home to home. So we're going to go just down the street into like the Manitick estate area, like just outside. So, Homes are a little tighter, and um, we're going to meet with a few couples and families and do that. So, yeah. Well, uh, if you're listening to this and you live in the Manatech area, make sure you get those full-size candies. You don't want meth going full Adam Sandler and Big Daddy and (laughs) (laughs) taking the water off. Amen. I agree. One more Halloween-related question before we move on. Uh, Which teammate of yours was the best Halloween guy? Like every year you're like, oh, this guy is going to have a sweet setup or something cool. Every team has one, you know, like there's, yeah. there's always a couple of guys that go above and beyond, you know, uh, I, I can remember Antoine Vermette when I played with him in Columbus. Um, okay. he always went hardcore into it. I, I mean, the costumes ranged from characters on TV to whatever, but you know, the guys that hire makeup artists to come yeah. over and do work on their faces. I know I always, I heard this story of, I think it was Sean Donovan. I wasn't playing with them at the time, but guys, would tell me how Eric's old house in Dunrobin, 
he had like white furniture everywhere. I mean, and this yeah. is like, like all over the home. And apparently Dono showed up in like a, a Hulk outfit, like not an outfit, oh, but rather no. just paint, green <laughs> oh. paint. And it ended up all over the house. So I, I don't know. Like you always get those guys that go, and that's something I always avoid. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but the, uh, the, the, the paint jobs, like that's something I try to avoid because it's so much work and I can get kind of lame. So I just go for a standard costume. I don't like covering my face too much. I enjoy breathing. Um, otherwise, it's a good time. Was Craig Anderson a race car driver every year? <laughs> Andy, you know what? I'll say this. Andy always mailed it in when it came to Halloween. I can't remember a time where I was impressed with a costume <laughs> that Andy was rocking. Andy was a lot like me in that kind of downplayed it a little bit and just went for comfort. Well, I mean, he could have just put on a white T-shirt and been Mr. Clean every year. True. <laughs> and uh, you Fair need enough. the earring, though, Ross. The earring is key for that. No doubt. So, uh, yeah, just leading into to last Tuesday night, how was it getting to hang out with your old goalie? And, uh, and what did you think of the whole ceremony? I was great. And um, I don't know. I, I love – Ottawa's – got to hand it to the Sens, like the organization. They've done a really good job over the last couple of years, whether it be honoring a player or retiring a jersey that we've seen multiple times now. And um, they're nailing it. And I think with the Andy ceremony, it was perfect. It was classy. You never felt like it was awkward. And, you know, like when, when ceremonies kind of tend to drag on a little bit and you're just like, okay, you know, like I get it. I know that might sound insensitive, but I think a lot of people, when you're in the building, you probably could relate to that. I never once felt that. I mean, you were into it the entire time. Um, it was nice to see Nicole come out with the two kids as well. Yep. Um, you know, it was just it was just well done. And and I think being able to kind of shoot the shit with them a little bit in the booth prior to the interview and, and all that was cool and just catch up with them afterwards. It's the same Andy. I mean, he looks great. He's lean. He's in shape. Probably could still play if he wanted. Um, but uh, I, I, we, we had a brief conversation about retirement and, you know, what to prepare for. And I told, I mean, he, he seemed interested a little bit when I mentioned that he was really comfortable looking and sounding on camera. So I was saying, you know, maybe media might be in your, in your future. And I, he never, he didn't turn it down. So there's that. But uh, no, good to see he's doing well. Very happy with the ceremony. Well, I mean, he, Buffalo's got two goalies injured right now. They're one or two more from giving them a call, getting them back. Yeah, the yeah, for sure. So you never know. But I mean, again, I, I think once you once you step away from the game, and Andy got to do it the best way possible. I mean, yeah. injury didn't didn't shun him like like it did with me, um, where I still have those. It's not resentment. It's um, I don't know what the right term would be, but I still. I still, I, it doesn't sit well with me the way I had to retire, right? I was essentially pushed out. Derek Broussard, another good example of, you know, a, a brutal incident, a brutal yeah. play, and then having him, you know, hang your skates up. So I think with Andy, it was, it was the best case scenario for him, the way he went out. He still has his health. And, um, you know, if he wants to play pickup hockey, which I doubt he'll ever play goalie again. I mean, whenever we played pickup with the Sens or it was an off day, and he never wore his gear. It was always, yeah. he was a hockey player, and a lot of goalies tend to do that. So it won't surprise me down the road if he's playing men's league somewhere as a forward. Yeah. yeah no, goalies really, don't want to do that. Like, they, they they've done it. enough of it. And, <laughs> yeah. and the issue is the guys in men's league, they're aiming for your bucket. Like, you don't want to take a couple pucks off the dome just for fun if you've been no, doing it being, as a job. You're being, you're being very gratuitous there. I think it's more they have no control over where their pucks are going. That's Fair. probably yes. more likely the case. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I usually get to my beer league games 10 minutes before we're on the ice. And if I'm goalie, I'm going to have to do a couple stretches before. Otherwise, yeah. 
put me up in a wheelchair the next day to get me out of bed. Um, okay, well, that was a nice little lead-in to some Senators talk. We'll get to that next. All things Ottawa Senators right here. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Mary J's. Guys, Mary J's is a locally owned cannabis dispensary in the Ottawa area. Mary J's started off with three best friends making a life-changing decision and opening their first store in Kingston. They grinded. They slept on air mattresses on the floor of their sales room just to make ends meet. And through their hard work and dedication, they now have four stores in the Ottawa area and a store in Coburg. If you want to check them out in Ottawa, you can find their locations at Riverside South, Orleans, Greeley, and Russell. Mary J's offers the absolute best and newest products in the market with many new additions to the menu every week. Mary J's has everything you need, whether you're a rookie or a grizzled vet. Mary J's offers competitive pricing. In fact, they'll price match any store in Ottawa. That means you get a guaranteed best price around at Mary J's. Mary J's offers the best customer service around by having the most friendly bud tenders who are always ready to help. Dashy is a diehard Sens fan, so go to the store, say what up to Dashy, pick his brain about the newest products and the Sens. Guys, check it out. Mary J's. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook. The FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On You to make every moment more. And right now, New customers in the U.S. get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on. Kick off the NFL season. Get to the NHL. The sports equinox was yesterday. You can always have fun at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, it's the official partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. This show is also sponsored by BetterHelp, guys. I personally am someone that have found therapy to be very helpful in my life. And I think it's worth giving a a try if you're someone that is struggling right now or you just find there's a lot of stress in your life that you have a hard time dealing with. It worked for me. It works for me. And maybe it can work for you as well. And a good spot to try that out is better help. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in your own way? I've had that sometimes and you just need someone to talk things through and you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back. So you can work for yourself instead of working against yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge to make sure that you get the right person for you. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. All right, welcome back, Locked On Senators. We've got Mark Mathot with us. You can follow him on Twitter. You already are, Mark Mathot3. You can follow the show on Twitter at Send Central. We are free and available on all podcast platforms. So the Senators get back in the win column. They snap a three-game losing skid. Math, at what point during a losing streak, or is it more... Is it more about how the losses are, or is there a number where it's like, hey, if we've lost three or four or five in a row, the mood just completely drops in the room? Yeah. Um, 
there are a lot of distractions right now, right? I mean, I'm it's, we're stating the obvious, but between Pinto and all the rumors around the coaches and the GM, and, and I'm not advocating for any of that, but you know, we're just just reading the tea leaves online and paying attention to what the discourse currently is. Um, that doesn't necessarily get lost on players. You know, I, I think, um, you know, this is what you do for a living. You're pretty much in tune with, with what everyone's talking about. Um, and if you're not following it directly on Twitter, you have family members, you have friends, everyone's asking you what's going on. Everyone wants inside info as to what's happening in that locker room. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's difficult. And then you compound that with a couple losses. And I, I, you know, I've been mentioning lately the, the two losses, one against Buffalo and Detroit, um, I didn't like the way they played in those games. You know, it's one thing if you're playing in a game and you're, you know, it's a tight game, you make it to the, you know, the third period, it's a tight game and someone scores with a minute left or you're losing a shootout or you're losing overtime, you get your points. Yeah. Uh, not that there's a huge difference, you're still losing those games, but at least you're playing well as a group, right? And shit happens in games, people take penalties, you, you're not going to win all the games. But the way they lost those games was not good. They, they responded very well in Pittsburgh. That surprised me big time. You you guys and I were going online talking about who we'd have as far as the betting aspect goes. And I know that's a bit of a sensitive topic at the moment, but let's just face it. It's prevalent in every sport. Nothing's going to change. But you know, um, you know but I like comments? the – go ahead. Do you know how many comments I got, that clip I sent you? We had a FanDuel title read, and then it's like, oh, people no. People have to – listen, listen, people have to get over it. Right. This episode is also brought to you by Fanduel. You have, you have beer ads up your rear end in every sport. You've got, you know, like I could, I could go on and on here. Um, you know, it's there's, there's at one point there's agency as a human being, and you have to take a little bit of responsibility for your actions. You know, I, I, I enjoy casually placing bets sometimes. Um, I and I'm, I'm, I'm a chicken to a degree. I don't bet very much. That's just the way I am. It's fun. It keeps me engaged in the games. I enjoy it. I'm not advocating for kids right now to go out and do it, of course, but I'm also not their parents. People have parents. It's your job as a parent to teach your children what's right and what's wrong. Anyway, my TED Talk is over. So we'll get back to this. So, you know, for me, the way they were playing and then they responded well against Pittsburgh, I really enjoyed that. Um, I did not predict that, which is essentially what the point I was about to make there. We were talking about it during the day. I mean – I'm at a point now where making a prediction is so bloody difficult because you just don't know what version of the Ottawa Senators you're going to get that night, right? So I, I like the way they responded. I'm hoping Zub is back. I really feel like your 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 lifeline is the back end now. I mean, it's it's becoming more and more clear now. You saw what happened to this team in the absence of Artem Zub. I'm not saying that exclusively that is the reason why they lost all those games, but hopefully. He's back on Thursday. You get him back with Sanderson. That pair is a monster. I like Matt and Paolo paired right now. Mind you, I'm sure we're going to get into that later, so I'll stop there. But right now, the schedule is not very favorable. I don't think it ever will be moving forward because the, the East is so bloody tight. Yeah. So you've got you've got LA, and then you've got the Lightning, Maple Leafs, Canucks, um, and Calgary coming up here in the next little grouping of games. It's going to be tough. Now, I'll, I'll ask you a similar question to Ross, but in a, a little bit uh, different aspect here. What, better? No, not better. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Um, at what point of a stretch of no games played does it start to affect a team? Like, we're it's going to be five days in between I, games here for the Sens. And I'll, a little extra onto that question, Matt. 
Yeah. How important was it for the Sens to get the win there rather than you, you're now on a four game losing streak and you got to sit and stew with that for five days? You took the word right out of my mouth. Uh, stewing in your losses leading up to to Thursday. I don't understand the schedule. Um, I don't really, I don't like, and maybe somebody has a legitimate answer for me, but I mean, that, that long of a gap in between games this early into the season, I mean, this isn't a break. It's, this is longer than some all-star breaks for some teams. I, I just don't <laughs> understand it. So it's, it's bizarre, but that's just the schedule right now. And I know they had that, that, that NHL day there the last week where all the teams were playing. I don't know if that had an effect there and maybe the Sweden trip somehow. I don't know. Anyway, it's not ideal because you now it is ideal that they won that game in Pittsburgh. Obviously if you lose, you've got a student, as you mentioned, but even then, Right now, like you're, you're, you kind of fall out of game mode between your yeah. last game to Thursday because the compete level is never replicated in practice. You just can't do it. You're not running at your teammates, and you're certainly not defending the same way. Um, so I don't like it. However, let's let's look at it this from a positive light. Let's let's take a different approach here. I right? like it. We're going to get positive here. I think it gives the chance. It gives the group a chance to catch up now, as far as injuries go, bumps and bruises. It gets Zub, apparently a catalyst to this group. I mean, we knew how effective he was, and uh, but now it gets him an opportunity to get some more days to recover, coupled with practices and getting back up to speed a little bit. So I'm going to look at it from that lens and just assume that this is good for Artem Zub to get him back into the lineup. And if, ever, if there are any other nagging injuries among the group right now, it gets them a chance to get back to 100%. So, um, you know, it's going to be a big test for them on Thursday. And they have the same amount of days off as they do right now, the five-day break, as they'll have when they travel to Sweden between games and get accustomed. So, it's crazy. And that, and that, so that's a great point you just made there, Ross. That, that leads me to believe, like, at some point, like, you're going to have these clusters of games now, right? Because you're going to have to make up for that time. So, yep. And as a former player, I mean, I can remember when I was playing, when I look at the schedule and you could see, like, game, day off, game, day off, like, you're playing every other day, essentially. That's a grind, man. Cause you're always nursing different injuries. Like, and it's stuff that people don't see, right? Like I could be defending a three on two and some dummy takes a clapper and the, you know, the, the high slot hits me in the shins or something below my pad. Now I've got a huge welt uh, in my ankle, for, for example, and I'm nursing that and I don't have enough time to recover, you know? So every other night I'm playing, I'm taking pain pills or whatever, you know, Advil depends with how the severity. So it's not ideal. But uh, it's certainly something that they have no control over right now. And, and, and look at their schedule. And look at this. I don't know if we're going to be talking about this later, but that that division right now Ooh. and how good. I mean, who had Montreal above Toronto at this point? I know it's early, but I'm just saying, I mean, they're, Ottawa's, they're in a tough spot. And that's why, you know, we can act like, okay, guys, you know, it's, we got to be patient. It's still early. We haven't played 10 games left. I think that, that's bullshit. These games are so important. Because it's yep. going to be so incredibly tight. Six months down the line now, we're going to look back at this month and say, oh boy, should have had a better start again. You know. Well, and just like talking about how it's so spread out in November now, when's it going to all kind of come together, Meth? I was just quickly looking through the schedule and the end of March is insane. Like there's two weeks at the end of March where they're playing four games each week and then there's oh. back-to-backs. There's three back-to-backs in there. Like it's... That March is going to be wild. So, like, you might as well you start insulating your 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 schedule with wins now, 
but again, I think from from a fan's perspective, and I'm getting caught into the trap right now. We get kind of caught up in the whole like, okay, you have to win now, you have to win tomorrow, and you have to. We look a little further ahead than the players do. All the players are focused on are their next games, right? Yeah. So, like for the players right now in that room, they're not thinking about the Sweden trip or, or next week, or you know the big game against the Maple Leafs. You know, it's right now their focus is Thursday, and that's all they're thinking about, and that's what you want. So. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to discuss this, but again, their priorities are the one game coming up and it's the Thursday night game. And we'll get into that Thursday night game next, but first I want to touch on something earlier in the schedule than March Pilsy. I, I did take a peek at that as well. It's scary, but yeah. look at right after that U S Thanksgiving that, Oh, you have to be in the playoffs by this date, December, the middle of December here. I got to scroll this down and touch from the fifth to the 23rd. They're, they're going up against all sorts of heavy hitters. They got the Rangers and Leafs at home. There's just a day off between those two games. Then a day off, they're at Detroit. Big game. Two days off, then they got Carolina at home. Then then they start their toughest or longest road trip of the season at St. Louis, at Dallas, back-to-back, at Vegas on a Sunday night, then Arizona, then Colorado. One day off, you come home and you play Pittsburgh again oh. right before uh, Christmas. Just for reference point, can you pull up that March? Just so just so we – because it's alarming to see the end of March. Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I want to see this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, Great. one day, one two day break from March twelfth through the thirty first. Yeah, Matthew, you're you're coming to that game, eh? March thirtieth with us in, in the peg, and then we're gonna drive down to Minnesota. All right, we'll see you there. Okay. Yeah, yeah put it on the calendar. Bring the kids, nice. hey family. Yeah, Ross, you got room in in your new house for that. I will. Yeah, as long as I'm in there by then, we'll be all set. <laughs> we'll be ready to rock and roll. We're also ready to rock and roll. Heck, we're chopping at the bit. Give me the predator mask. I want. I want to eat this four day break up. Get this to some Ottawa Senators hockey on a Thursday night. So, who's coming out of the lineup for Artem Zub? We'll have that conversation next. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Sleeper. Guys, if you want to play daily fantasy, you got to do it on the Sleeper app available for our friends down in the U.S. There's so many possible scenarios for the season, but to have a chance at winning big, you got to play daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper. As the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network, Sleeper is the top choice for daily fantasy sports, especially fantasy hockey. With Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. You got to pick the best players. You got to have your chat going so you can talk smack to your friends to let them know you've got the winning lineup for this week. And what I love best about Sleeper Daily Fantasy is entries can be made in under a minute. So you're rushing home. It's almost time for puck drop. As long as you've got a minute before, you can get those entries done. You can pick players like Brady Kachuk, Jake Sanderson, Drake Batherson, all these studs, and look for stats like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. You heard me, Sens fans. 100 times payout on Sleeper, so start paying attention and get your picks right so you can win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL, and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's locked on NHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details available only to our friends in the U.S. for now. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at the Glebe Central Pub. We love our friends at the Glebe Central Pub down on 779 Bank Street, right in the heart of the Glebe. When you head there, make sure you let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. Not only do they have great vibes, great food, tasty drinks, always something going on at the Glebe Central Pub. You can find out on their website when live music is, when uh, trivia nights are, all sorts of great interactive events. But they also have the Senators Shuttle. So book your tickets, $17 round trip to and from the CTC. Don't worry about driving. Don't worry about traffic. Just worry about having the best time possible. Glebe Central Pub makes that happen. So head over 779 Bank Street and buy your tickets for the Send Shuttle on their website, GlebeCentralPub.com. And make sure when you head to 779 Bank Street, let them know. Locked on Senators sent you. All right, welcome back, Locked On Senators. And no, that break did not bring us to Thursday. We've got two more days left until the Senators host the LA Kings. And the Kings are no joke. The LA Kings have a ton of talent up front on the back end, but Camp Talbot has been exactly what Sens fans would have expected Camp Talbot and Phoenix Copley to look like this season. Phoenix Copley through three games, a 788 save percentage. You can bring that up to Ottawa, uh, put him in net as far as I'm concerned. We'll probably see Cam Talbot, the classical, go out there and get some revenge on your former team. But from the Ottawa perspective, Meth, Jacob Bernard Docker played a career high in uh, Saturday's game against Pittsburgh. He would have been my my guest to come out of the lineup because I like what I saw from Matt and Paolo. I want to see more from Clevin, but he played well enough that maybe he's not the guy. If Zub comes back, how would you alternate things? Because I know you like Sanderson with Artem Zub. There's no doubt you're whole, you're putting Zub back in when he can. But who comes out for you? Yeah, that's that's difficult because there, there's who I think should come out, and then there's who I assume will come out based off what the coaching staff because they're they're predictable. And I'll say this with coaches because I know sometimes, and and this has been the case here for the last couple seasons where you know fans get irritated because coaches air towards some of the veterans, right? Coaches do that because they trust the vets. They know what they're going to do. They know what they're going to bring to the table. Whether I agree with that is another conversation. But based off of what I saw in the game, and we're talking about the Pittsburgh game, I really like that pairing. I like Clevin and, and Matt and Paolo. I like what they brought. They didn't play a ton, but that will – that now, depending on what happens with Zub, I don't know if that pairing will exist on Thursday, but if assuming that Zub wasn't coming back just for a moment, if Clevin and Matt and Paolo were to continue playing together, this is your classic gaining the coach's trust, right? Like they, they didn't really see a whole lot of PK time. In fact, I don't even think Matt and Paolo saw any PK time at all. I think it was just Clevin and it was around a minute or so. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But I think that as they progress and advance throughout the games, you'll see them pro- – and, and assuming they're playing relatively well and they're gaining their coach's trust, that ice time will augment. They'll get a little bit more time. What I think will happen – is that you're going to see Zub return with Sanderson only because you need a legitimate pairing that can dominate and shut down lines. You can't spread them too thin on the th- on the three pairings, right? So they'll be back together. I like I, I like what you said there, JBD. When he's playing a simple game and he's moving his feet very well, and he as a result he won't be a, ri- a liability for you. And because right now I know they readjusted the pairings and they have him slotted in there with Chikrin. I actually like that pairing. I don't mind it. So, you know, the X the X factor for me that I would probably take out, assuming it was my decision, I'd probably take Hamannick out. I probably would. That's probably a hot take for a lot of people. But I'm thinking about the future right now. 
And if I've got two players that are roughly on par with each other, and it's Hamannick and Matt and Paolo as an example, and they're both playing roughly around that same time, I'd rather have Matt and Paolo on the third pairing right now. I don't know why. I just, I'd like to see more of him because he's a big body. He's got a bit of a, I don't want to say it's a mean streak, but he does have a little bit of a chip when you saw, you saw it a couple times in that game. He did a great job on that setup play where I believe Clevin ended up getting the puck or they ended up, Ottawa ended up scoring on that play. So I liked what I saw from them. Chikrin to me belongs on the left side. If he's yes. playing with JBD, so be it. I think that'll work out well. So you're probably realistically, to finish my point, you're probably going to see Sanderson and Zub. Then you're probably going to have Chik Chikrin with JBD again because it was a pretty good game by the two of them. And then you're probably looking at Clevin and Hamannick realistically on your third pairing with Hamannick on the right side. Tell me if I'm wrong. I can take it. No, no, I, I think you're probably right. Maybe Sanderson with, or sorry, maybe Chikrin with uh, with Hamannick would be yeah, like right. Jay Smith thought. Yeah. But yeah. then it would be one where you're probably just going to like, you know, throw JBD a couple shifts up there and then maybe a couple shifts with Clevin with Zub or, you know, yeah. with, I just think you need a puck mover on that bottom pair. And, and I know, I Ham know, I know. What first they take away Hamannick's goal, and now that you, now you just want to take him out of the lineup? Well, what's a puck? What's a puck mover? I mean, like if you watch, just as an example, you yeah. watch Clevin in the last game where and he was he, along the wall, and he made that beautiful. It's subtle. People don't necessarily. I'm sure you guys noticed oh, it. He has the puck. We're giving him credit. Yeah, yeah. And he had he had the poise. You saw that little puck puck fake where he was going to dump it up high or send the puck out of the zone, but he held onto it for that split second and then made a nice. I think it was a nice deep, deep play, and then the play went up the ice, and, we, and Ottawa ended up scoring. Had Tyler Clevin just, you know, spit the bit, as they say, and got rid of it right away, that never would have happened. So, I think, I think, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised with his poise because that's all that is. When you call it, when you say right. puck moving, you know, like Brandstrom, Brandstrom, he, he can lug the puck up the ice. But I mean, what are you, what are you forfeiting when you have in the lineup? You don't have any any net front presence, and they score a goal pretty well every game against him whether it be on the PK where he loses a battle at net front or it's behind the net. Otherwise he's great. And that's, that's the, um, that's the difficult part of this conversation when we're talking about Eric Branstrom, just as an example, it's so hot or cold because he can, he'll be lugging the puck up the ice. He's great on neutral zone transitions, then gets beat up, you know, once in the corner in his own end. And as a result, they ended up scoring, they end up scoring. And so it's like, that's, that just seems to be the going conversation or storyline with, with Branstrom right now. And that's why, I've been so critical. And that's why I love Clevin and Matt and Paolo right now on that back end. Until I see those two struggle, I'm going to keep pushing for them. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Brandy hasn't had that great of a start to the season. We're hoping that his recovery goes well and he gets back and has a chance to, to kind of up his game soon here. But, Matt, I want to ask you about something I brought up on the pod yesterday. Uh, I referenced that uh, Elliot Friedman would always talk about Pekka Rinne uh, talking to his coaches and being like, hey, I'm a goalie that likes to feel the puck. I like getting shots. Like, let's have the decor just keep them wide and keep perimeter shots. If I can see it, I can stop it, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. We've noticed that with Forsberg and Corpusallo, when they don't get a lot of shots, they end up letting in the first opportunistic chance for opponents and the game gets away from them. But then you see in Pittsburgh, Corpusallo he doesn't let a goal in until the 30th shot by the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's getting peppered with shots, but he looks amazing. Is there any kind of, I guess what I'm asking is, can you validate my, my thought process of being like, Hey, some goalies 
want to feel the puck. And maybe some defensive schemes and structures should be set up to let the goalies have those shots rather than just try to block and stop everything. Yeah, I'll say this. And and it's not much different for a player. I mean, if you're a player that's typically used to playing, you know, 20-some-odd minutes a night, and then on any given night, for whatever reason happening in the game, that that ice time gets scaled back to 12 minutes, just as an example. It's, it's the same thing. You lose all your confidence. Um, you lose your legs. Uh, you're not seeing the game the same way. You're almost playing a little tentative and scared because you don't want to make a mistake versus a coach that's continuously putting you on the ice or constantly getting reps. You're tired, but everything just seems to be flowing a little easier for you as a result because you're playing more. It's no different for a goaltender. I mean, the more rubber they see, they start feeling the puck. Now, you know, as an opponent playing against that goaltender, you're like, oh boy, we're in trouble now. Like, you know, it's the third period. We have 40 shots on goal. We've got one goal right now and we're down two or we're down one. How are we going to get a puck past this guy? Cause he's feeling it right now. Yeah. And that's usually what, that's usually the way it works. And it's, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have because you don't want to fault your defenseman or your team for preventing your opponents on getting yeah. shots. But I do think there's something there. And, 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 and I do agree that, you know, even killing penalties. I mean, it's always been my philosophy. When I see guys go down on their knees to block shots or they're trying to play goaltender in front of your goaltender, yeah. you never you never really benefit from that. You might you might block a shot. It happened the other week. Um, yeah, I forget what game it was. I was watching it with Brass. We were both in the alumni suite watching. And I think Hamannick went down. Play, and ha- Hammer has – and I love the courage, by the way. But he goes down. And I think he blocks it with his arm or something, and he got hurt on the play. He yeah. stayed in the game. Yes. But all I can say, but but you don't benefit from that. I mean, especially at that distance. So if a player's on the half ball and he's coming in on you know on the top of the circle for a shot on the power play, and you're going down as a D man, you're taking yourself out of the play because if that puck hits you and then ends up trickling away, you you can't recover the same way as opposed to standing on your two feet. And then right? he's just going to get around you, and now he's got a better so shooting so lane. you're yeah. risking injury which, I mean, you're not useful for your team if you're, you know, you're missing three games because of a block shot. And second, you're screening your goaltender, so the puck's, you're, you're, you're taking the line of sight out from your goalie. And then furthermore, as I said, it's chaos. Some, you can't control where the rebound's going, and then a player gets a hold of a puck. So I admire the courage. I never tell players, especially if I'm coaching like the kids right now, not that they're blocking shots at five years old, but I'm always telling them to stay on your feet. Stay on your feet. That way you're agile. So to your point, I kind of, I kind of, kind of ran away there. But um, I think the more the goaltender seeing pucks, Pilsy, the more he benefits, the better he plays. He's on his game, yeah, especially I mean, these goalies. It seems like that is their style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Brady's first goal against Tampa, the game we were at, Pilsy, that was exactly it. Initial shot hits the defenseman. Yeah, he's kind of stunned for a half second, and Brady just picked up the rebound and put it home. So mm-hmm. that's a good point. I like that. So when it comes to the goaltending, I know you mentioned a couple weeks ago that as long as you have faith in both of them, doesn't matter who's in. How much would you run with Corpusallo right now? Because I mean, that take that take a- age like milk after those two games we saw too. And Corpusallo <laughs> had a tough one there um, last weekend. But um, so you're asking me how would I move forward with the two of them? Right, because right now you've got Forsberg sitting, and you mentioned stewing on losses. He's stewing on not not yeah. his greatest performance. Gets pulled. You want to run? You want to run with the hot hand as well. And Corpus Allo's played as well as I've ever seen him play. So, uh, like, how how do you get in the mix here until 
you mentioned this is a segment of games here that we can pretty much isolate from everything else until that Sweden trip, and it's a busy schedule. So you're going to have to use both, but how much right. is the question? Well, yeah, and, and I think – I mean, I'm just looking down at the schedule here. I think um, I think you go with Corpus Allo for L.A. just because they're – I mean, they're a good team. Um, Andy knows them. Revenge team. Yeah. Exactly. So you know he's going to be juiced up for it. And then maybe depending – and I would argue no matter how that game, that game goes, you just – you go right back with Forsberg against Tampa. But then some people might wince at the thought of doing that. Maybe you just keep running with your hot hand because – you brought in Corpus Allo. You gave him $5 million a year. I mean, he's your number four one million. guy. Or is yeah. it $4 million? Pardon four me. Four for five, yeah. Four for five. You give him $4 million a year. He's, he's got the deal right now, the big contract. So, I don't know. I mean, you brought him in for a reason. We know how important these games are. So, I would argue it's like, you know, F your feelings. Just go with who you think is going to win games for you. And then beyond that, you know, until you see signs of fatigue or struggle or maybe a tighter schedule, then you have to start resorting to your backup if you want to call them that. I like to call them as a 1A, 1B. But, I mean, ultimately, right now, they've dug themselves a bit of a hole. Whether you blame it on injury, you blame it on the Pinto thing, or you just blame it on poor play to a degree in some of those games, it doesn't matter. The point is, right now, you're sitting in, what, seventh in your division? I mean, it's like you have to win games. And um, you can you can concern yourself with flip flopping and getting Forsberg more reps after you string together a couple W's. Yeah, the the only concern there, Meth, and I think uh, this is what Ross was thinking too, is if you keep riding Corpusallo, you've got Forsberg sitting cold for weeks at that I point. I know, and that's but nothing's ideal. Ideally, yeah. you'd be in a better position right now, and then you could have the flexibility to do that. Unfortunately. You know, you're putting your you're putting your coaching staff in a tight spot because these guys, like coaching staff, don't care about your development at the NHL level. I mean, they do to a degree, but all they care about is the next game and winning yeah. because their job security is at stake. I mean, they're, they're, these people are human beings like us, and they want job security. They want to continue to provide for their family, and they want to continue to work in the NHL. So I, I think at the end of the day, DJ doesn't give a shit about Forsberg being cold at the moment. He cares about, you know, what the outcome of that next game is or the next couple games will be. Well, he doesn't even care about, he doesn't care about Forsberg at all. He didn't even tell him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's got Hamnick making the goaltending decisions, Matt. Don't you know that? Um, But I'm not serious. I I do think DJ doesn't even make the decisions about who starts. I think he puts it all to Zach Burke, which whether you like it or hate it. Can you, can you blame him? I mean, no, look, look, I'll say, I'll say this. If I'm a coach right now, an NHL coach, um, and, and I'm running a, I'm running it, I'm running a dressing room. I don't really know that much about goaltending. It is such a different position, yeah. and I'm so focused on my forward group during the game. And then you're watching the game after you're cutting clips, and okay, you're starting to notice some of the defensemen and what they've managed to do during that same game too. And you've got your, you've got Capilano kind of re- relaying information to you. Like Zach Burks, he's not on the bench. You're going to talk to him after the game. He's going to give you a general breakdown of what he saw. The details, yep. right? As a coach, you're going to see on the surface, oh, he should have made that save or this one. But he, he can't really tell, you know, where, where his goaltender's state of mind is at, how they're feeling and all that. So, yeah, I mean, that's why you have a goalie coach. He's going to relay that info to you. So, at the end of the day, I don't. I think people need to give DJ a bit of a break in that regard. It's not his job to manage the goaltender. It's the goaltender. It's the goalie coach's job to manage the goaltenders. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. If it like that's why you have a goalie coach, like you mentioned. Uh, Matt, final question for me here, and 
this is a big one, so take your time to think about this. Rank your top three Halloween candies. And I'm, I'm including chocolate bars, uh, like, uh, like candies and chips. Like, you get three choices. Rank them first, second, third. Uh, first would be Coffee Crisp. Second nice. would be... Um, oh shoot! What was I had it? I had it earlier. Uh, we were talking about. It's funny we're bringing this up now. I had this discussion with my wife this morning about the candy tonight, uh, and how much we were going to kind of ration with the kids. Nice. Um, so coffee crisp for sure. I like caramel. I like Kit Kat. Ration um, is steel, by the way. Ration is parent talk for steel. I know. I know. <laughs> well, we're going to get them. We're going to let them have like five or six of them, and then we're going to put them away because I don't want them yeah. bouncing off the walls and going to bed at ten o'clock. But uh, yeah, I would, I would say those three. I, I and, and that's a toss-up. Now with age, I don't mind the nuts. So like, oh, Henry and some of those other bars I'm, I'm enjoying as well. Mr. Big. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so what's your official one, two, three? Coffee Crisp first. Coffee Crisp. Um, what else did I say? What was the other one that I mentioned? I Kit, Kat. Kit Kat. Okay. Kit Kat, number two, for yeah. sure. And then... The third one's always the hardest. I don't know. So you're not you're not throwing any oh, chips Henry. or candy Let's in go there. You're strict chocolate guy. Chocolate guy. I hate candy. Despise candy. Oh, whoa, Pilsy. In lieu of asking your final thoughts on the show, I'd like your top three. I think I'm with uh, Meth on this one. Co- like the mini coffee crisps are. Oh, good. It's tough. It's tough to beat. Uh, Ross, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a page out of your book. Uh, mini Reese's cups as my number two. Oh, Reese's are good too. Yeah, yeah. You got to get those in the mix. And third, candy corn. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> candy corn is not top, in the top three. Uh, you got to mix in. I like some candy, so I'll throw some Sour Patch Kids in there as my third. Okay, nice. I'll I uh, this with yours. Well, I got one of those boxes with with the mini ones, so I kind of cheated without going and trick or treating. I just buy the box of candy, and I I just scoop out all those mini arrow bars. I'm addicted to those. They Arrows just, are good too. Yeah. That's not your number one though. No, no, no. My okay. number one are the mini Smarties because I take them like a shooter. You open it up, boom. <laughs> just... I thought you would have gone for the Reese's Pieces though, like the the Reese's Smarties. No, 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 no. I like I like the legit, and then just crunch oh. them up. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's what's the weirdest? What's the weirdest thing you've ever received that you? And, and let me let me continue here. Let me finish my thought. The weirdest thing you've received at a door from trick or treating that you didn't necessarily hate. Oh, I was about Ooh. to say an apple. Okay, yeah, no, no. I, <laughs> for me, it was a can of pop. It was my neighbor would always give us Coca Cola, yeah. a, a straight can down the bag. There hey, was that's all right. There's something going around in Canada yesterday online where someone w- stocked their entire house with two liter pops, and th- they're going to hand out a two liter of pop to everyone. That's <laughs> way down your bag. I mean, you got yeah, how do you how do you even move around with that when you're like five or six? No, I don't mind being allowed to drink that. My kids don't touch that. I drank like I drank pop religiously growing up. My parents still apologize to me for that because it basically rot all my teeth, like when I was a kid, but. But my kids, they don't even know what it tastes like. They'll have like random sodas, like the healthy ones that you can buy at Costco, but right. no Coca-Cola for the children. No, no, that's a good call. My wife has like a Diet Coke a day. Yeah, oh, Diet Coke's oh, great. Coke Zero is excellent too. We've, we've yeah. Sorry, I've completely derailed our conversation. No, that, no that's okay. Uh, to answer your question, Meth, um, trick-or-treating in the country, it would get a lot of homemade stuff. 
like literally rice, like homemade rice krispies. And at first you're disappointed, but then you get home and you're like, oh, this is like finally something so different, and it and it hits nice. So well, I'll, I'll go with so homemade you up, rice krispie squares. Did you? So you grew up rural, like outside of town, like in the country, or what? Yeah, like I literally grew up on a farm. I'm going going there today to scoop chicken poop. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. How many how many chickens do you think Pillsy has? I love this. Uh, what, well, what are you guys like? Are, is, I'm assuming your parents are they running like an actual farm here? Like, are no, my, si- my sister and I run it now. Yes. Okay, good for you guys. I don't know. I was debating on getting chickens when we move out next year. We're going rural, Pelsy. and um, had a couple conversations yeah. with people, and they basically told me it wasn't worth it unless you run it like at scale. Um, yeah. I was told that like having a small chicken coop, which we already have on our property where we're building. Uh, just isn't worth the effort and time involved. Unless you, you love eggs. eggs. You got to love eggs. I eat five a day. Okay. Well, a chicken might be a good investment for you. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, how many do you think he has? And mine, don't, hey, mine aren't the egg laying ones. It's just the egg laying ones. Just um, chicken wings. Okay. For chicken wings. Okay. So you're probably running a bigger operation then. So I'm going to say, at any given time, you've got about a hundred head of chicken. <laughs> a lot more. Three hundred. A lot more. Two thousand. A lot more. Wow! Can you run a big farm? Did not yeah. expect that. I was thinking like <laughs> hobby farm here. Okay. No. No. It's, so in, it's we're legit. talking like industrial farming. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> leave a note in the comments how many chickens does pills he have we'll leave it at that for today meth enjoy the trick-or-treating we'll touch base with you next week always appreciate your insight on the show get that mask on to get out of here and <laughs> for mark Mathot, the predator and brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day <laughs>